Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. And we're back. Another episode of Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's September 10th, 2019, and I'm joined by the the lovely Brad Wood. Oh, you're too <laughs> kind, Gavin. We're just talking about the pop filter, how he doesn't want to use it because he doesn't want to cover up his pretty face. That's right. <laughs> so thanks again for joining me. Uh, hopefully everyone is having a, a great week. Um, we got a little bit of news for you today, a lot of blog posts and um, some maybe a little chit chat as well. But first things first, this week. Little chit chat. Uh, Don't we call that waffle? Well, I think we got sued from IHOP. From <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, so, yeah, so first thing on the news this week is that uh, this Friday you're going to be busy on the live web again doing a webinar on the Command Box Service Manager. You want to tell us a little bit about what? that? Who told you that dirty lie? Um, that's right. So uh, Ordis has been doing um, kind of some webinars like uh, is biweekly every two weeks? It's both. It's bi-weekly and bi-monthly is both the same way. Fortnightly. Okay. Or is it semi? I always get confused on, on, on buys and semi, like, like semi-weekly, bi-weekly. But yeah, so basically every couple of weeks, <laughs> to reword it, uh, we've been just doing some webinars um, <clears throat> on just a regular basis to talk about the cool stuff we're working on and to highlight some of our products. And so um, apparently I got voluntold to, uh, to do one this Friday on our new uh, Command Box Service Manager module which I just released a screencast on that recently. And I've been actually adding new features since I made the screenca uh, screencast on it. And so we have uh, Windows support and Linux support and Mac OS support as well. And the service manager lets you create native uh, services that start automatically when your computer reboots or automatically restart if ColdFusion fails um, out of your command box servers. So uh, people doing local development that wanted us to have a server always running or people using command box on production, uh, just installed in a VM, can use this uh, command box service manager module. So my, uh, my webinar on Friday will kind of just be going over showing what it does and how it works. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about it. It should, shouldn't be too long, probably 30, 40 minutes. Of course, I say that, but I, I like to talk. So it might be like three hours. We'll see. Split the difference. Okay, cool. So that'll be a good way to people to check it out and see what it does and uh, obviously ask them some questions as well. So it's going to be a Zoom webinar so you guys can register for it. Uh, it does require registration. Uh, we have the link in the show notes and uh, we also have a blog post out on the, the website about that. Or if you go to autosolutions.com and click uh, under events, we have webinars and you'll see the previous ones. So we did one on CBRM. I think uh, a couple weeks back, Luis did that. And then uh, there was another one before that too so um yeah go check that out if you want to find out some more yep so and it is it is a free webinar just to be clear you, you have to register for it so we know who you are but it is free cool cool so probably the most controversial thing uh, of the last week um, like controversy don't we yep so um this actually was posted on the 27th of august but we didn't catch up with it until uh late late this last week so basically there's a, a post on the forums at a forums at adobe.com uh, and someone posted that the title of that question i guess was adobe cold fusion license bait and switch for SaaS companies so that's definitely mm. a, a pretty clickbait title right there so it is what's a SaaS company is that a company that talks back a lot i have some <laughs> SaaS children i think <laughs> yeah so um so basically it looks like what's what's happening there is uh, there's a company that's been using cold fusion for a long time but instead of being a normal website or a blog they actually have a SaaS company, so software as a service. So they oh. develop, um, you know, a SaaS site that other businesses subscribe to, pay, log in, and then use this the software. Mm -hmm. And so what what this person was saying uh, was that they filled out a little survey. You know, the Adobe sends you surveys, and they filled one out about what they're doing, and then sort of a, a half sales, uh, uh, half um, thug. <laughs> called up and said that uh basically that they're gonna have to get a custom license because the the eula the euler uh doesn't allow for their use of the software so um 
basically yeah. 51 people have been you know responding people like charlie Earhart and some big members of the community have stepped in and, and said their piece too um but it's what's uh, interesting is i've i've heard some rumors of this sort of stuff happening um months ago um but i always kind of assumed that it was just you know a confused uh, adobe salesperson who just didn't know how the licensing worked or something um but uh it, it sounds like adobe's really been pressing on this and it is actually um a sort of reinterpretation of uh, adobe's eula in regards to how they're enforcing the licensing um which is a little little scary to be honest just because a lot of people don't believe that that's what the eula actually says uh, unfortunately the, you know if you ever read the license agreements they're all very thick lawyer speak and you know kind of run on sentences and it's always a little difficult to understand exactly what that would mean if it came down to you know going to court with it um but they're specifically targeting B to B sites. So business to business. So if you use Adobe Cold Fusion and you're a business and other businesses use the software that you're hosting, um, then Adobe's calling people up and saying that you, you, you uh, classify as a service bureau or a, a software as a service. And apparently the line of reasoning goes like this. If I had a hundred customers all using a Cold Fusion application I had written, and I hosted it on premise and each of those 100 customers had their own servers. So a hundred servers all deployed on site at each of those customers and they would all purchase their own license and Adobe would, would sell a hundred licenses. Um, but when I have a, a software as a service and I host it on my singular server and just have a hundred customers log in, um, apparently what Adobe's saying is, well, Hey, we're losing revenue. So we want you to pay us for a hundred licenses because you have a hundred people using it. Um, what's uh, what's, so what's interesting is from what people have been saying on the thread is Adobe's been calling them up and uh, apparently like Rakshith, the project product manager from Adobe Cold Fusion has been on these calls with people. So this isn't just kind of rogue salesmen at oh, wow. Adobe. Um, yeah. I mean, so they're the Cold Fusion team, I think are well aware of what's happening. I don't think they're in, in control of it, but I think they're aware of it. And so what, what customers are having happen is Adobe calls them up and says, Hey, you're, we think you're in violation of our interpretation of the EULA. You're a software as a service, you're B2B, um, you're violating our agreements. So they give them two options. They say you can either renegotiate a new sort of enterprise custom licensing agreement for which there is no standard pricing model. Adobe just kind of sort of comes up with a price based on like revenue or number of customers or I'm not sure exactly. Nobody really knows what it's based on. But Adobe says we're going to come up with some number and you're going to pay, it, pay us this number and you'll have kind of like a custom enterprise agreement. Um, or we're going to sue you for 10 years of back licensing, which is the really scary part. So people who've been Adobe Cold Fusion customers for years are literally being threatened with lawsuits from Adobe for 10 years of back licensing um, unless they agree to enter into a new agreement with Adobe and negotiate a higher price for their license, which also involves a new licensing agreement they have to sign that has additional um, additional uh, items in it that aren't part of a standard CFULA. So. Obviously, a lot of people are upset about this because they feel that Adobe is interpreting things that aren't in the EULA. And um, I mean, obviously, I think it's a little unprecedented that if you, you know, if you write a software and other businesses use it, that that would somehow make you a service bureau. It's not like you're a hosting company, like, you know, like Host Tech necessarily. And um, I, I did hear that Host Tech is, um, you know, they have a special agreement with uh, Cold Fusion. Uh, they uh, do. And, so, and, and I would expect and that. If you're actually a hosting company where people pay you for for writing Cold Fusion on, on a server, I would kind of expect them to have a custom deal. Okay. Um, but a lot of people just have an app they've written that other businesses use. And they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not hosting, you know, uh, Cold, you know, Cold Fusion for them. They're not developing their own Cold Fusion on my servers. I've just written an app that they're using. Um, so a lot of people are understandably, you know, frustrated about this. Um, naturally, a lot of people say, well, you know, switch to Lucy. Um, but even if you did, Adobe's still threatening to sue them for 10 years of back licensing for the time that they did. They were using Confusion in a manner that Adobe's claiming was was not in alignment with the license agreement. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where even if you don't think the EULA says what Adobe says it says, um, are you willing to hire a lawyer and go to court for potentially years to try to prove it? Or are you going to give in and renegotiate your licensing with Adobe? So very interesting thread. I recommend people, anyone using Adobe Cold Fusion, especially if you're doing B2B stuff, 
other businesses use your your software, you should read this thread and think critically about <laughs> what your future looks like, and uh, just think about what they're doing with the licensing because it's a little a little interesting. Yeah, and I saw someone throw out there a number where they said it was going to be 10 times their original cost. Somebody else said they already had a bunch of standard licenses, so when they upgraded, it actually wasn't much of a difference. So obviously mm -hmm. it does depend, but um, but yeah, it's it sounds, like you said, it's scary, right? Anytime someone's threatening with a lawsuit, it's kind of scary. Um, right. I mean, I, I get that Adobe wants to be able to make money. Um, they got to protect their business. We all do. Yeah, sure. I think they see companies making a lot of money on software built with ColdFusion and they wanted to, to get a piece of that. Um, it sort of feels almost in line with where a lot of other Adobe products have gone, like the Creative Cloud has really pushed for kind of a reoccurring licensing model, you know, where you're, you're paying like a yearly or a monthly fee to use it. Um, it's not quite like that, but it feels more like a step in that direction where Adobe's saying, you're making money off our software. And if we think you're making a lot of money, we feel like we should be making a lot of money off you. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, based on how many companies you're you're serving with your B2B software, Adobe wants a bigger cut of that. And apparently, um, from what I'm seeing in the thread, the revenue that these companies are making is is coming into play in what Adobe decides to charge them with this newly negotiated deal. Um, some of the, the people in the forum were, were saying that Adobe was saying, well, we stand by this price we want you to pay because that's, you know, 2% of your overall revenue or something like that. So, um, so if you're not successful, yeah. then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't make any money, <laughs> you're fine. If, you're, if your business sucks and you have no customers, you're good to go. <laughs> Adobe will not be knocking on your door, you hope. Yeah, looks like uh, Gary said something in the, the chat about it. He says he hopes somebody goes to court to fight this. So, uh, you know, it sounds like it needs a precedent to be set. So it'll be interesting. I mean, like you said, the Euler is probably different across all the different versions too. So every year, not they, that they... much. The last two versions are cold fusion. I took, it's a total pain in the butt to do it, but I've extracted all the texts from the Eulers when they come out and I've done a diff on them with the previous version and they've touched hmm. very little. Okay. However, in this thread, uh, people are saying that Adobe's told them they will be making some significant changes in 2020 uh, Adobe cold fusion, 2020, the next version. Um, supposedly to remove the ambiguity on how they're interpreting the EULA, which yeah. will be interesting. So um, if you've always just upgraded ColdFusion and never paid attention to the EULA, when 2020 comes out, you should probably read through it. I know I'll definitely be doing another text compare to see just exactly what, they'll, what they've added um, when 2020 does come out. Yep, it's definitely interesting for sure. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people asking a lot of questions at CF Summit coming up soon too, so... Interesting. Anyway, like I said, a little controversial. Sorry for the detour there, everybody, but we think obviously it's pretty important news and uh, everybody should, you know, be aware of the situation and, you know, do your reading, do your due diligence and, uh, yeah, and hopefully. And talk to your lawyer. Yeah. Should, should we add a disclaimer that Gav and I are not lawyers? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. We're not lawyers. Don't take any legal <laughs> advice from us. That's right. Any advice no from legal us. Advice. Maybe some cold fusion advice now and then will be okay, but yeah. But not so, legal advice, yep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So anyway, it's just something to be aware of. And just a side note, so those of you who didn't uh, hear the podcast from a couple weeks ago, Charlie Earhart um, posted uh, a blog post about content disappearing off the forums mm. between August 22nd and September 9th, I thought. But at September 10th, it's still there, but it's possible that that entire thread will disappear. So, how convenient. Um, yeah, how convenient. Um, but So that might be something we need to make a backup of or something or remove it elsewhere because um, that's something um, yeah, we, we want to look at that and, um, and and yeah, it's yeah, a lot of say, 51 honest, replies I already. I don't understand the issue with why, uh, with, with all the content being lost on the Adobe forums. I mean, it sounds like they took a backup of the database and converted it into maybe some new software. Evan took a while to release it and they don't want to take a new backup and reconvert it. Um, but honestly, uh, that's, yeah, two I, or I can't three imagine weeks. a scenario in which they're okay with just losing a few weeks worth of content and just being like, well, it's gone. Yeah, well, I think at least someone should probably at least make a backup of that that forum post, PDF it or something might be useful. I've uh, I, I've saved the HTML uh, locally because I was curious if it would disappear for other reasons. But yeah, absolutely, it's, don't want to lose this uh, information. Yep. 
So you can't take legal advice from us, but someone in the chat just said, why not refuse to take their survey and hang up if they call you? So if you want to avoid well, them, <laughs> go for it. But yeah, I mean, you, it, you can do that, but <laughs> doesn't mean that they might not call you. Yeah. So anyways, just again, so, you know, check it out. Um, look at it for sure. And, you know, if you are using cold fusion, it's something you might have to be aware of. So, Mm-hmm. Back to more positive news. Um, just wanted to remind everybody that the cold box training in Bangalore that India um, that Auto Solutions is doing, Luis Mahana will be there in India, and his training sold out. So, if you guys were hoping to attend that, sorry, we extended it a little, a little bit already. Um, so we got a bit bigger setup than we wanted, and we already sold out. So, appreciate all the attention and anyone who helped share the word and spread the word. Um, really good to good to see that so hopefully it's a success and then uh, we'll try and do more of those in the future so yeah i'm mean, that's pretty exciting that it completely sold out to be honest the the sales were a little slow at, at first with the india training in uh, in bangalore but it finally kind of took off and several companies signed up a bunch of people and so luis is going to have a, a full house now Yep, so that'll be good, uh, especially with CF Camp going on at the same time. I wasn't sure, you know, how many of the bigger people, you know, bigger companies that were sending people would, you know, do a, a local training when the option of a CF Camp was there. But um, we'll talk more about that as we go through to the the conference section. Yep. But also another reminder: the Into the Box 2019 videos are available now. Um, so we, we got all of that out. We released that um, just over a week ago. But I want to remind everybody: a lot of questions about when the videos will be available. And if so you who has access to those, Gavin, for the people listening online. So if you're an attendee or speaker at Into the Box, uh, you have access to that already. You should have received an email. If you did not, please follow up with us, and we'll get mm-hmm. you the code to get into that. And then if you were not an attendee of Into the Box, you can purchase the package. I believe they're individual and package deals. Um, and so you can purchase them and basically watch more than 23 hours of instructional video. So nice. So even if you weren't able to make it, you can still get all that. Now I do believe we embedded into our EULA for the, the, uh, the video purchase you're required to come to ITB 2020 is, did we do that? (laughs) Is that in there? I'm not sure. So you better buy them before we stick that in there. (laughs) Lawyers are standing by purchase our videos, but read the fine print. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So, after that, we also have um, CF Summit coming up. So early bird is still going. So maybe that's just the it's normal just a perpetual pricing. early bird, man. It's never going away. Yep, exactly. So uh, still a great deal. Ninety nine dollars for the conference pass, and that includes breakfast and lunch on two days. And then uh, we have a lot of great speakers. Uh, I'll be there. Brad will be there, and there's some good ones too. Uh, Luis and Eric from Audis and uh, five or six from Adobe and a lot of great community members. You'll see Pete Freitag and Brian Class and, you know, Charlie Earhart and a lot of great people there speaking as per usual. You know, I hope the perpetual early bird isn't a sign that they're having problems getting attendees this year. Um, yeah, I mean, usually, sure. usually CF Summit fills up 500, 550 people. And it doesn't seem to be a problem. So, yeah, I mean. I- even after they had that um, that tragedy, that that big shooting in Vegas a couple of years mm-hmm. back, yeah, I they still, that yeah, it was slow for a while, but they still filled up and got their five hundred people. So, I mean, if that can't, I keep thought they had away, closer to four hundred and fifty that year. But yeah, I mean, it was always slightly lower. It didn't put a huge dent in it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe the marketing budget's big enough. They're like, hey, who cares? We can keep it cheap. I'm yeah. not going to complain about that. So. Yeah, so I mean, there's no excuse not to come, guys. The hotels are cheap in Vegas. The conference is cheap. You get a couple of free, uh, free meals. Great content. Now, they have looked at the schedule. The schedule's available online. You can see who's mm-hmm. speaking when, so you can plan your day. But I should a lot probably of, see when I'm speaking. Yeah, but there's a lot of great content there. So um, definitely check it out um, and, you know, start planning. And then with the conference, we have some additional information on the pre-conference. So... The cold fusion specialist training is one of the um, pre-workshops um, and that information, we actually have a, a link in the show notes for another blog post with a little more about it, but basically sign up, you get a bunch of videos to go through beforehand on the day you'll um, revise that information, go over it. You'll take an exam at the end of the day. Uh, it's a full on day. You get a lot of uh, information. I think it's running from nine in the morning to like six that night, um, depending on how fast you finish the test. But, um, it's a you know certificate program, so you can you know add that to your resume, uh, and then 
and I think they've had the certificate program since you know version nine, so it's a, a definitely a big, a big deal to have that back. And for those of you looking for you know Cold Fusion work, it never hurts to have another thing on your resume there. The only better thing you could put in your resume is listens to the Modernizer Die podcast because I'd hire anybody just on the spot if I saw that. You know, uh oh, we got twenty people applying for a job, Brad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the resume is pouring. Yeah, but we also have, um, you know, three other pre-conference trainings that they have there. So Pete Freitag's doing his uh, hands-on Cold Fusion security workshop. It's a great workshop. I've done that one myself. Enjoyed also one known as Scare the Poop Out of You, so you go fix your code. Yep. It's the subtitle. And then Charlie Earhart's doing uh, going from zero to 60 with Cold Fusion and uh, Docker and Cold Fusion images. So um, he's got a, a blog post uh, out about that workshop so you can find out more about it. And I'm still trying to schedule a, uh, an interview with him so I can get that done and we can put that on there on Soapbox podcast. So you can mm. find out more about what he's doing with Docker these days. So, And then we have another one from the Adobe Cold Fusion team, the performance monitoring tool set. So you can learn all about their tool set there. Uh, and they have a blog post that we released uh, in last week's show notes. You can go chase that down too if you want to find out more about why they're doing it. And apparently it's the, the workshop we've all been waiting for. So waiting for. So uh, Dan Card has a question about the uh, um, that pre-conference um, training from Adobe. Um, I don't know if you know the answer off the top of your head. He asked, can you take the test at other times or only at the conference? Do you know if Alicia... Uh, clarified that i have not found that out um from what i'm aware of that you you know you basically go through that day and you take the test at the end of the day if someone's not there or if they fail i'm not sure what the the setup mm. is there i think they're intending to not only do this training again but they're also offering additional cold fusion trainings for more specialized topics yeah so, so the um, quote we have here in our show notes from alicia just simply says the in-person workshop will be a review of material and include an exam at the end. Um, yeah. And then from the website, it says, following the training, you will complete an online assessment. Upon su successful completion, you'll receive your Adobe CoFusion Specialist Certificate. So if it's an online assessment, you may be able to take it um, after the fact. But I don't know. It's a good question. doesn't yeah. seem that, it, that it's specific on that. Yeah, Mark said that on the CFA Live podcast, they talked about uh, it's only going on at the conference. So uh, I'm not okay. sure exactly because when I talked to her before that they were talking about additional trainees they're going to offer. So I'm not sure when they're going to make it available. Maybe it's only at certain times and certain Yeah, I mean, I would hope venues. they would put it out there. I mean, because th there's a, a lot of Cold Fusion developers that don't have an opportunity to go to, to Cold Fusion, to CF Summit. Um, and that would kind of suck if, you know, if they don't have the opportunity to get the certification from Adobe. Yeah, obviously, uh, and maybe Adobe's using that as a, a way to kind of force people to the conference. <laughs> yeah, I, I but, think uh, what what the big thing will be is yeah. that they'll probably have limited availability <laughs> on it. I don't think it's going to be something you can just sign up online and take and and do it. They're going to have these type of workshops, whether they're you know periodically at different venues or they'll open them up to the providers. So previously, I think the ViewPerson um, com Pearson company used to do them um, with the CF9 versions way back, yeah. but I'm not sure. With so. the limited space, they could do like a hunger games thing where people just like fight and the last 100 people left alive all get certified or something just throwing out ideas i don't know if adobe's listening you know yeah so but yeah so it's a good program i'm actually i think i'll be a ta this year to be able to help with that um so if you guys are doing the specialist program you might see me there too but if you don't see me before the conference, I'll be at the conference speaking, but after the conference, Audis is doing their own training. So we have a uh, boot camps set up. So we have two trainings after the conference. So the conference itself is Tuesday, Wednesday, um, October 1st and 2nd, and then the 3rd and the 4th, Audis is doing the training. Um, basically two boot camps. Myself and Eric Peterson will be doing the Cold Fusion Hero to Zero workshop. And then you and Luis will be doing the Cold Box Hero to Superhero API edition superhero what? and so that that's on october 3rd and 4th uh thursday and friday uh, and we'll be at the area resort and casino so we're in their special uh tower suites so we got the nice oh, suite yeah. so it's uh, a nice setup real comfortable we should have a little kitchen and everything we'll have the espresso machine going espresso so you guys can machine. keep up on your energy when Luis and uh and, and the rest of us are dropping knowledge bombs uh, if I recall, Luis is the one who took a nap last year. <laughs> and uh, it does take it out of you training. Uh, doing you know, I'm really looking forward to Vegas. I don't know why. It's just so much fun. 
Um, we always have good time, I mean, good food, good people. Yeah, there's just so much food. There's all the stuff we go walk around and see. But what's the the place we go? The restaurants and it's connected to the, the Venice Hotel, and it's like you're inside a giant um, like outdoor place, but it's all like an indoor mall. I oh, mean, the Venetian one or the over yeah. at Caesars. Uh, there's a lot of great places. There. All I know is it's a ton of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, if you guys do come to the the workshops, we always set up a private Slack for the group, and you know we keep in touch afterwards, and the group members help each other as well as us chiming in. It's a good networking opportunity, so definitely think you should do that. And obviously, if you're going to take the training in India, uh, the same training is what me and Eric are doing here, Callbox Zero to Hero. Uh, in Vegas so and then if you've already done that one a lot of people ask for what's next and so the hero to superhero API edition is going to dive deeper into modules and and, and more of that there'll be some API specific stuff but there'll be a lot of stuff that you'll you know get a lot of value out of it even if you're not working on APIs so I see a suggestion called hero to zero is that where we remove the knowledge from your brain (laughs) hope not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so what's the next step after hero to superhero we're gonna need to ha- like we've already shot the moon we gotta jump the shark now what, what where do you go for superhero to captain marvel i mean what is it uh that's a good question you'll have Thanos to, level you'll have to come to the training to find out <laughs> <laughs> next year next year exactly and we did mention uh the booch camp in in india is sold out so Sorry, everybody who was uh, hoping to come to that. But again, we are doing the same training at CF Summit. Uh, if you want to do any of the trainings, the podcast team discount code works for all of them. Um, but hopefully we get a good report from um, Bangalore, India. And uh, if you guys are going to that, you know, let us know how it is. Give us some feedback. We'd like to you know, be able to talk about it here and you know, get your perspective on the training as well. So again, that is going to be October 16th and 17th. And at the same time, pretty much, you're going to be gallivanting around the world as well, right, Brad? Gallivanting around the world. Um, talking about CF Camp? That's the one. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I am uh, i don't even know what we're doing. My wife plans these things, but I'm going over with one of my daughters and my wife early, and we're going to hit, like, uh, Paris, and I think we're going to hit London and uh, fly around and end up in Munich and maybe a day trip to Austria. I don't know. Everything's so close when you get over there, so... That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, we're gonna do some some sightseeing in the 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 wings of of CF Camp, but I'm excited for CF Camp too. It's always super fun, and yeah. um, and their early bird special just ended. Actually, no, it ends on September 10th. So you guys got oh, a couple more days. Today. Go 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 yep. go. You got a couple more days um, to go get the early bird. Um, so a couple regular, more days. Regular, it is September 10th today. Well, September 11th is when the regular pricing starts. So today. So if you're watching live, you can go buy it. If not, I hope you listen to it. (laughs) If you're listening to this tomorrow, you're too late. Yep. So, um, yep. CF Camp tickets are out there. Um, The price has gone up. It looks like roughly about 40 bucks difference in in the price from early bird to regular. So not a big deal, but grab Still worth coming. Yep. If you wait a little longer, uh, basically right before the the price uh, goes up even more, so get in and get your prices. All the speakers have been announced. Uh, the the lineups online. If you go to cfcamp.org/speakers.html, you can see all the speakers. We've got a really diverse group there. You're speaking there. Eric speaking there, and also Jorge Reyes from Water Solutions will be speaking, as well as a lot of uh, great community members. And I like the variety that you guys get in Europe a lot, a lot more people that can't make it out to the, you know, the States for some of these other conferences. So you get a lot of people, but there's a lot that do, you know, you got some of those, uh, conference specialists like Nolan Irk is everywhere. Uh, he'll be there as well as, um, yeah, as well as some of the, you know, traditionals like Charlie Howard will be there and uh, Matt Gifford will be there. And, you know, a few others. I'm, so. I'm excited at the number of names for CF camp on the speaker list that I don't recognize from, from Adam. I think that's awesome. A lot yeah. of, a lot of new uh, speakers, which I think is, is really cool to be honest. Yep, exactly. Uh, it's, it does look pretty good. And I said, and I'll keep saying it, but I'll try and make it next year, but not this year. It's the 10th episode or 10th anniversary, I guess, of CF Camp. So pretty cool they made it this far. And if you guys have been to the last couple, 
this time they're also announcing they're going to have the third episode of Codemasters. So last year on the localhost.fm podcast, Mark Drew and Rod Dudley, the hosts, uh, they actually did the the, uh, the Codemasters and actually recorded it. So they have it up on YouTube. So we have a link in the show mm-hmm. notes if you want to go check that out. And later on, we'll uh, share the tweet that has that as well. But um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. So what have they done over the years with Codemasters, Brad? Um, well, uh, at least two years when I was there, cause I haven't hit CF camp every year. Um, we did uh code wars that, uh, that Gert would run and they would have uh, teams of people that would kind of take turns and they'd narrow it down until they had a winner and they would do stuff like code golf. Uh, and you know, the game of golf, you have to get the lowest score possible. So in code golf, you have to write some code that does something with the fewest number of characters possible. Oh, wow. Obviously not, not a good idea in real life code, but an interesting <laughs> interesting thing to play around with uh for as, as a as a, a game um one of my favorite uh code golf uh problems that um my team won one of the last years i was there um was a problem where you had to had a room full of like velociraptors all like tied to chains and you had to figure out which velociraptor like wasn't whose chain wasn't long enough to reach any other velociraptor and you just had a bunch of coordinates in a, in a text file and you had to write code that would calculate the distance between all the different velociraptors to figure out who couldn't reach another one um, and mark drew totally bailed my team out and he was like do an html5 canvas tag and you can just have it draw a circle for each velociraptor with the diameter being the length of the chain and you can just visually look at it and say, and he was totally right. The other team <laughs> was trying to go through and do it with math and you know, like, you know, all the possible combinations. And, uh, my team took Mark Drew's advice. Um, that's and cool. we slapped it into an HTML five canvas, drew the circles out and we're like, boom, that's, that's the Velociraptor who, you know, doesn't overlap at all. Um, but that kind of stuff's fun. Everybody sort of just sits around and drinks beer and, and, and heckles and, you know, we do you code live up on the projectors and stuff. So that's some of the stuff they do, uh, you know, at CF camp and the after party is always a lot of fun there. So I'm cool. looking forward to it again. One year I ended up in a sumo suit before the night was through and had to <laughs> wrestle with Chris Schmidt. So, I mean, anything, anything can happen. Wow, and I thought Vegas was meant to be the party central, but I guess Germans. It's <laughs> October, October fest, right? October fest and October in uh, CF Camp. It could be interesting. Although October fest sounds like it goes for eight months of the year these days, but <laughs> anyways. So yeah, so um, I think uh, Mark Drew and Rod Dudley are going to be there again, uh, doing a, another live episode. And if you want to hear about more about CF Camp, they actually had a few episodes on their podcast. So localhost.fm. Uh, is the podcast uh, go check it out they talk about some other interesting stuff too it's not just cold fusion related they do mention cold fusion javascript other languages and sort of a top level thing so it's a good podcast to listen to as well okay so moving on now we come to the the real fun stuff the real the blogs fun. tweets and videos of the week so we've got quite a few things here so First one I'm actually going to show you. We got a tweet from Michael Bourne um, talking about caching and Lucy, or caching. How do you Keech. like caching? Apparently, I, I say it worse than Brad. But um, so he just got a you know a little little tweet here. Caching and Lucy requires one config struct and two functions. So he's just trying to show you how simple it is to get up and running with uh, with caching. So here he's using eh cache and the application CFC. And shows how easy it is to be able to, you know, put stuff in the cache and then get stuff from the cache. And it shows you, you know, t- idle timeouts and, um, you know, just normal timeouts. So pretty easy to get up and running with caching. Uh, if you want to go a little further, um, you know, more providers and everything. I know Adobe Call Fusion 2018 has more providers now than it used to. And, of course, if you're using Cashbox with, uh, from Audis, we have extensions that allow you to do... Um, what now i think we've always had couch base we're doing redis now if you're with lucy uh mongodb is the next one on our list here so we're uh, yeah I think it's Cashbox almost released. also has a disk store a database store um and an in-memory store as well That's yes right. i mean cash cash so i mean earlier back in the day cold fusion engines didn't really have much caching functionality built in which is when Cashbox was born and so Cashbox can still kind of sit on top of even the built-in Lucy or Adobe Cold Fusion caching. And of course, you know, the, when the whole 
benefits of that being you can swap it out without any changes to your application. So, yep. And I like that for local development too. If I'm in local development, I use an in-memory cache. And then obviously mm-hmm. when we deploy out the staging, we use, you know, Couchbase or Redis or whatever we need. Yeah, to. we do that at Ordis all the time. Local RAM cache. And then once you hit staging, we're hitting Couchbase. And the good thing is your application code doesn't, doesn't know or care. Yep. That's pretty neat. So that was a cool little tweet. Uh, and then uh, op- Lucy Open Source also tweeted about having a great community behind Lucy. So they link out to their lucy.org slash get support or get dash support.html. Talks about all the different ways you can, you know, find out about stuff going on with Lucy, the community, the, um, the forum, how to, you know, submit tickets and everything else and it's you know nice little tweet they're just reminding you that you know there's a lot of options for getting out in the community uh, yeah and lucy obviously does a lot uh at cf camp too right oh yeah so it's like if, if you want to yell at the adobe confusion engineers you go to cf summit if you want to yell at the the lucy engineers you go to cf camp <laughs> that's, and that's so, how it usually tends to work and brad likes to yell at everybody so he goes oh everywhere. i yell at everybody you, you <laughs> bet they see me coming and they're diving behind the table um, yeah, Lucica, Lucy community. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's been any tweets. We probably don't have this anywhere. Um, Zach Spitzer has done a, a bunch of work lately, um, going through making just like grammar fixes, um, oh. to the Lucy source code. He's gone through like all of the error messages, all of the, you know, uh, screens and everything and just made little tiny tweaks. Um, uh, he had a, a giant pull request with like 80 different little fixes, um, which is which is great because I mean that you didn't even have to know Java to be able to go through and make some of those improvements. So um, it's great to see people contribute to Lucy. Um, but I mean, also if you can just contribute with um, monetary support, one of the biggest limiting things for Lucy, I can say for sure, is just the um, the the dollars and cents that it takes to pay for the development efforts. So um, if you don't have the time to, you know, go through and submit pull requests, you know, then you can throw them 10, 15 bucks a month or more uh, to help to support the development services. Yep, for sure. I mean, uh, you're not paying big licensing fees with Lucy. They don't have a professional license. Uh, you know, you can be a, a supporter of the Lucy, you know, foundation. So, you know, support them where you can. Um but yeah, so just a reminder, you know, Lucy's out there, different ways to get support and obviously you can support them as well. Yeah. And then, you're not allowed to support Lucy unless you're an already an Ordis Patreon supporter, then you can support <laughs> them. It's got to go in that order. <laughs> For sure. Just kidding. And so we have another blog from Gregory Alexander. This one's talking about how to speed up your site with lazy loading. So no specific Cold Fusion references here, but I thought everyone can, uh, you know, learn a little more about uh, making these sites a little quicker. Cold Fusion gets a wrap sometimes. So, um, so is this speeding up the server side stuff, or is it talking about speeding up like the front end JavaScript and CSS? What's uh, what's yeah, it talking about? Basically, front end JavaScript loading images once you scroll into view, etc. Uh-huh. And the cool thing is, well, I think it's kind of cool is he actually implemented it on that blog itself. So when you uh-huh. load the page, everything loads kind of lazy loaded. So like it hits you fast, and then you all know, the different I pieces because the text came in and there was no background behind it. Exactly. <laughs> it took a second for it to finish loading. So I'm not sure if that's his intention or not, but you know. You can see it happening if you scroll down the page refresh and then scroll back up the image at the top of the page lazy loads and fades in after the fact so it's kind of neat like just to you know mm. just see it happening but just talking about different ways to lazy load you know and a lot of a lot of the cool kids are doing that on their stuff so i thought we'd share that uh, it's all about that perceived you know performance right because I've, mm-hmm. I've definitely fallen victim to looking at performance numbers only from like fusion reactor you know when i'll say you know my cold fusion requests are processing in 150 milliseconds or something really fast. Um, you know, but then users complain that the, you know, the website's slow and you're like, ah, oh, but Fusion Reactor shows really fast times. But then you go to, you know, Chrome and you kind of open up your networking tab and you realize that you've got JavaScript files and things and the browser is blocking and not, you know, rendering the page until it's downloaded all these assets. Um, and so even though the ColdFusion uh, part of your site may be fast, kind of that perceived load time can definitely be a lot slower. So I think that's good advice. Yep. And Greg, Greg Alexander, you know, he's actually got an open source blog project called the galaxy blog. And uh, that's, we, we talked about that last week actually. And 
he's really focused on performance, you know, SEO speeds and everything. So Google site speeds and everything. So if you go to his blog, he has a few other blog posts about that type of stuff, you know, looking at performance and, you know, and so I think it's pretty interesting. You know, we've got to look at both sides of things. We can't just be server side guys. So, and then also, um, Michael Alight from uh, Terratech posted uh, about how to find your next job as a cold fusion developer, job hunting tips for cold fusioners or CFers. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few tips there, um, you know, some, some resources for job seekers too. Obviously, um, you know, there's, there are less jobs than some of the bigger languages out there, but there's surprisingly a good number of jobs still available for cold fusion developers and they're usually pretty good jobs. So uh, there's a few tips there as well. So if you want to go through, uh, it's on terratech.com and obviously we'll have the link in the show notes here. And next we actually have Kai Koenig commenting on a tweet from Terratech about <laughs> the state of the uni- uh, union. That's so meta. It's like commentary about commentary. Yep. So I'm going to share that on the screen here right now for those of you who are watching via video on YouTube. So it's just basically talking about um, how this Terratech CF survey tells you a lot about the lack of maturity in the CFML world. So given how old the platform is, there's no excuse for this. And obviously, if you can't see, uh, it's showing a graph where basically the the you know auto deployment tools or ci tools that people are using mm-hmm. and ant has about you know 30 bamboo <laughs> has about eight or ten command box has about 20 those GitLab. are votes by the way number yeah. of people using it yeah <laughs> and then you know GitLab's probably like 35 grunts about 20 gulps about 35 I don't auto deploy is up to like 130 or something and then yeah Jenkins is 50. like the vast majority of people basically still do manual deployments. I mean, the highest one is probably Jenkins. So about what, 56, no, about 50 people said they use Jenkins. And that's probably less less than half of the number of people that don't automate anything. Um, Obviously, this is a small sample from those who, you know, answered the survey, but still. Well, I'll, I'll be honest, the... I can't prove this, but generally speaking, the, um, the the subset of the demographic of the cold fusion community that kind of crawl out of the woodwork and answer the state of the CF Union survey tend to be people more inclined to doing advanced modern things, just from what I've seen. So I've always kind of assumed that the the rest of the community we don't hear from is probably a little less modern. Yeah, the um, black hole developer, the closet developer, they're yeah, usually the, not the up ones to you speed. Can't find. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's automation has been a standard in development in general, and especially web development in just years and years. I mean, I remember forever ago, was it, was it Jeff Atwood? Somebody had a, had a, had a list of like, if you're in, interviewing in a job, like, you know, there's like 10 things that they should be doing or you should just walk out the door. Um, you know, and one of them was they should have like a single push button build that does everything and deploys. Um, and, and that was probably like a blog post 10 or 15 years ago. That that's been the standard in the development community and so many cool future people still don't automate things. And I think a lot of time, you know, gets spent um, by your developers and your ops people kind of managing manual processes. You have a lot of opportunity for, you know, screw ups and more difficult rollbacks and people just aren't embracing it, which is, Definitely tricky. Yeah, I mean, if you're out there and you're not using anything yet, I mean, GitLab has a free tier. So GitLab.com. We use GitLab, um, the open source version for customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're just wanting to get up and running, like I have my own little side projects running on GitLab. So I can play with it and mess with it. And it's it's surprisingly easy to get up and running with. And But bucket pipelines are pretty good. And then, mm-hmm. and then I know now with GitHub even has some stuff. I mean, you could use Circle CI. They have a free plan, you know, and then Travis has, uh, you know, free for open source projects. There's a lot of free stuff out there that you can get your, you know, get your teeth into to get up and running before you have to worry about deploying your business stuff there. So, um, you know, there's no excuse not to play with it. And it, it does save your life. It's, you know, definitely a, uh, a big plus. So. Thank you, Michael. Michael pulled it up. It was uh, Joel uh, Spolsky's The Joel Test. You guys can Google that. It was a really interesting list. Cool. So next on the list, we have our buddy Ben Adele. When he's not talking about Angular, he's still fitting some Lucy time in here. <laughs> he's not talking about a- Angular and not lifting weights. <laughs> 
Yeah, but um, he's so in this blog post here, he was just talking about how they use launch darkly, which I've never heard of before, but it helps them, con- you know, keep track of feature flags for their code. So it handles their JavaScript side and their cold fusion side. So whenever they have a new feature, they wrap it in a feature flag and then they can, you know, make it available. And, um, you know, he, he's talking about how feature flags introduce a new type of technical debt. And basically, he was looking at cold fusion to try and help locate um, these feature flags and you know and figure it out so it's kind of an interesting you know post a lot of people uh don't have a big product where they've got so much work going on that they have to feature flag stuff and so it doesn't happen that often but it was pretty neat to see you know what he's done with it and what they're using it for so mm-hmm. and obviously his blog is benadow.com and uh, you can see that one there so locating launch darkly feature flag references in your code launch darkly yep and then uh, we also had the tweet from CF Camp, so don't miss out on the third episode of Codemasters. So they said, beside the awesome talks at CF Camp is always a lot of fun too. So don't miss out on the third episode of Codemasters from your host, Mark Drew and Rob Dudley. And so there's a link to YouTube there. And, and so it's pretty interesting. I, I love the, I actually listened to the audio version of it, so I might have to go back and watch the video because uh, it does, does look a bit of fun. So I have to finish watching that there. <laughs> It looks like you were busy too, Brad. So you had a webinar released just recently. You did a little screencast. I did. It's my first screencast where I got to use my new Yeti microphone, and I even used the pop filter on it. Um, but yeah, I was talking about the uh, Command Box Service Manager module, which is what I'll be doing kind of a, a deep dive on on our webinar this Friday. But I have like a seven-minute screencast um, that I put out there. It just kind of gives you like the quick and dirty, this is how you install it, this is how you use it. Now give us all your money for something <laughs> like that. I think step four was profit maybe, profit. but um, yeah, that's, that's the screencast. And uh, after I recorded the screencast, I actually added Mac support. So uh, it's like instantly out of date as soon as I recorded it. But um, you can watch that to prep yourself for the webinar this Friday and then come primed with your questions for me. Yep. So if you go to autosolutions.com, uh, you'll see command box screen service. A screencast service manager module post there. <laughs> How many words can we fit into one sentence? Yeah. Command yeah. box screencast service manager module. How many can I get right? Because today I'm missing up a few. <laughs> Say it 10 times fast. We'll find out. Yep. So we also had a blog post from Pete Freitag on how to restrict what HT access files can do on Apache. So mm-hmm. I guess uh, the newer Apache 2.4, um, most people are using that these days, but there's actually directives that you can control to say what HT access can actually do. So I think even in the earlier versions, you could say what HT access had control over. So uh, if you wanted to, you know, limit your HD access files to only do certain things, you can, you know, restrict that. And so his blog post goes into that. And obviously with security, you probably should be, you know, looking at ways to do this because your HD access is in your root. So it's something that, you know, if you give people access to your root files when you're uploading files or whatever, you don't want to have someone overwrite it and, and do some damage. So the idea is somebody might be able to upload a malicious .ht access file that would allow them to, fiddle around with how you have Apache configured. So this allows you to kind of box in just how, uh, how much it can change. That's cool. So if you wanted to maybe only allow them to do rewrites, but that was it, then you could, you could limit that. Yep. I like Pete's little, uh, articles. They're almost done more like a knowledge base article. They're usually short and sweet and they have a little example and then boom, that's it. Yep. He doesn't mess around. Just gives you the information you need. That should be like a tagline. Foundio, we don't mess around. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. No time to mess around when you're dealing with security. <laughs> and then we also had a, a blog on the ColdFusionAdobe.com website uh, about using memoize functions in CFML. Is that how you pronounce that? Because I've, I've never known how to pronounce that. I don't know. Memoize. M-E-M-O-I-Z-E. I, I've heard that. Memoize. I've seen that word forever, and I've never heard anybody say it. So I've always just had whatever came out inside my head when I saw it. I, I don't know. Memoize is what I thought. Um, I kind of like memoize, even memoize. though I don't think it's right. That sounds wrong <laughs> to me. It, <laughs> it might be how you say it, but it doesn't sound right. That's what makes it fun. So anyway, so uh, he was talking about now, I always forget, Elias Poor Yorak. Who was that again? Uh, John Wilsh, I believe. John Wilsh. Okay. Alas Poor Yorick. It's Alias. Or it's Alias. Is it Alias or Alas? I thought it was Alias. 
Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, John so, Wish. John or Wish. Wish. John Wish. John Wish. Jeez. Okay. This podcast is a place where names get butchered on a regular basis. Yeah, yes. uh, John Wish. So, yeah, he's talking about how he uses React hooks recently. And basically, you know, one of the good things about them is it allows you to memoize <laughs> calculations. And so if you have a slow or, you know, expensive function, uh, you know, basically if you give it the same uh, arguments all the time, um, you know, it just gives you a cash value because passing the same arguments, the results should give you the same. And so uh, he talks about how you could do this in cold fusion. So he creates a function and sort of stores it in like a, a result and talks about using a closure or not and different things. And that got me thinking, it's like, that's pretty cool. And I know that, um, in Lucy already, they already have the cache within for functions. So. Well, yeah. So is that not an Adobe Confusion? Because I actually scrolled. Ooh, sorry, I actually scrolled through this the other day when the when this post came out. Um, I kind of skimmed it, and in my mind, I was thinking, uh, why didn't he just use the built-in, you know, cache within stuff? This part of CFML, but is that only for Lucy? Yeah, that's only for Lucy now. I know, oh, like, geez. we had so handler- you could you could replace this entire blog post that that he took all this time writing with just or freaking use Lucy and you're done. Yeah. And say cash within <laughs> all of this crap only applies. If you're a sucker on Adobe cold fusion. Yeah. I mean, in Lucy, like it's like you were just saying, you put like cash within just like a CF query and boom, the entire, if it's a ter- deterministic function, meaning the output is determined purely based on the inputs, then you can have it cash in any cash you want, you know, in memory, EH cash, cache base. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I actually looked it up and on CF docs, it doesn't even mention that. So I put in an issue. So Pete said, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. So he's going to update the CF docs for that too. Cause yeah, if you look at CF function on CF docs, it doesn't mention the cache within at all, but on the Lucy docs, <laughs> if you go to docs.lucy.org and then search for a function. You'll see that there's cache within. There's quite a few other things too, but you know, I, the other thing this reminded me of when I saw this post the other day, there was, I'm, I'm searching on it right now in Forgebox. There was a an AOP advice that I think Kurt Gratz made several years ago called Cashback, which was something he had copied from like PHP or something. I thought it was called Cashback. Anyway, it was an AOP advice. You, you could wrap around certain methods that would just automatically cache their output, which did kind of the same thing again, but just leveraging some stuff that Wirebox did. So instead um, of having to manually create the function and then call the new function interesting uh yeah so it's on it's on cash boxes is uh, a a library called cashback this is something kurt gratz made forever ago um and if you're uh, if you're creating your cfc's with wirebox it basically allows you to to wrap them yeah just so django that's where he copied from isn't django php um django I, I think it think is. So. Yeah, so he modeled after after the Django cache pack. Um, it's an it's another kind of way of accomplishing the same thing, but without having to write custom code yourself. Pretty neat. anyway. Anyway, but it was an interesting blog post, and you know you can do that type of caching yourself if you want to. I mean, basically what he did is just serialize the argument struct and use that as a key, and that way, if it existed already, it returned it. If it didn't, you stored it, stored the value, and then returned that value. So. Uh, pretty neat um pretty cool little blog post but yeah the definitely use the cache within and lucy for that it's pretty cool uh, i remember when cold box uh all the handler functions we had our own caching set up um for that and then cache within came to lucy functions it was like oh well for lucy now we can just you know use that instead so but there's also a couple of jobs posted here so uh, we're done with the blog's tweets and videos but we have a couple of job opportunities here so it looks like there's a, a cold fusion developer for truvian or turvian uh, and full-time in Irvine, texas so if you've got five years plus of cold fusion experience including mx7 and 8 uh using cfcs of course and you've got some they say in- mx7 and 8 yeah and what, what, M- what were we just talking about those list of things that should be a red flag when looking for a job. I hope they're hiring someone to upgrade their servers. <laughs> so yeah, because <laughs> wasn't MX six right? Confusion five, then six was MX MX six. Yeah, yeah, six was in the MX uh, moniker came from. I forget what it allegedly stood for. 
All I can think of is the Cirrus MX CPUs I get I used to use, and that stood for multimedia extension. But I don't think it meant the same thing in Cold Fusion. Yeah, isn't that when Macromedia took over though? Um, yeah, because six was the first uh, version of Macromedia that was rewritten in Java. Yeah, um, on the JVM. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so if you guys are got five plus years of experience using you know CFCs and um, good with MySQL and MSQL, writing queries, etc., uh, they're looking for a Cold Fusion developer there. And this is available on getcfmljobs.com. There's also one in um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Looks like Cold Fusion developer three plus years uh, with experience of CF9/2016. Um, looking for passing and transforming JSON and XML, et cetera, and Cold Fusion. So uh, that's for Auto Europe. And again, that's available if you go to getcfmljobs.com. You can see that post there. And Man, Wikipedia is letting me down. It's not telling me what MX stands for. MX6 was, was original codename Neo, which all of the config files still are called Neo hyphen. Yeah, that's because they're which I, all the Java I always files. Think yeah, I just think that's a, a bad move when you actually like embed the name into your file names and they're stuck there 18 years later and you look kind of silly. Yeah, and if anyone catches them, they just say, it's from the Matrix, man. Uh, yeah, maybe. So, uh, yeah, MX was dropped in Cold Fusion 8. Scorpio. Oh. Interesting. I yep. bet I bet Charlie Earhart remembers why what the MX stood for. I know you're on the chat, Charlie. Tell us what it means. Oh. Yeah, Charlie did say something on there. Oh, yeah. Okay. And there's one more job while we're waiting for Charlie to answer. <laughs> so there's Welcome a Cold the Charlie Show, folks. Yeah, there's a Cold Fusion Azure programmer for TPG Technology Consulting Limited, and it's full time in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Nice. So I uh, must have minimum of 10 years' experience within the last 15 years in Adobe Cold Fusion development. That's That's a lot. I'll be honest. Like, I'm kind of curious what they think a developer is going to give them with 10 years ex of experience in Cold Fusion versus, say, five. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I've hired a lot of people with zero years in Cold Fusion, right? And if, you, if you're very, very careful in who you hire and you get people who are, who are clever and like to learn and solve problems and they know a lot of languages already, I've had people that in, in a year or two of learning Cold Fusion were more productive than people I had hired with 10 years of Cold Fusion, to be honest. So it's, it's interesting when you see such a large requirement for the yes. minimum. minimum. Uh, but anyway, hmm, interesting. It's At least of, there's jobs. Yeah. So one of those, um, one of those things that people say, you, you got 10 years experience or you got 10 years of the one year experience doing the same thing over and over and over again for, for 10 years. So well yeah yeah anyway yep. if you had the experience there you go looks like the uh the job is open until my birthday that's very nice of them to cut it off on march 31st which is my birthday yep okay so on the fly here we're gonna see if brad can come up with a forge box module of the week what because i forgot to do it <laughs> Uh oh! Preparation All is right. terrible. Yeah. I'm going to go to forgebox.io and I'm going to click newest and see what what came in. Ooh, here we go! Boom! Matthew Clement today posted. I've never seen this before in my life. A CFML wrapper for the Dog API, and it's called CFML Dog API. Interact with the self-proclaimed largest open source collection of dog pictures on the internet. Folks, <laughs> need we say more? Need we say more? I'm pretty certain uh, Cold Fusion has arrived. We have the dog API. This is this is beautiful. The only way it could be more beautiful is if it was a a cold box module because I think it's just a, a library. That's pretty funny. Look at that dog API.cfc. Well, there you go. So the dog API is is the is the hottest thing in Cold Fusion. If you scroll down slightly lower than that, you'll see that there's the uh, Ordis MongoDB cache, which was published. Uh, Oh, so it has been released. Ago. I heard about it. I wasn't uh, sure if it was actually released. So. 1.0.0 hyphen snapshot. So uh, that's the Lucy, native Lucy extension. Use the, the Mongo DB for your session storage, your uh, function storage, your template caches, all that good stuff. So 
Uh, that's very, we kind of have a trifecta now. We have our couch base extension, we have our Redis extension, and we have our MongoDB extension now for Lucy's. So if you're deploying Lucy in a clustered environment and you want to be able to get those session scopes and client scopes and, you know, application caching into an out-of-process cache, Ordis is building a plethora of extensions, commercial extensions for you to, uh, to use, commercially supported extensions. Yep, and just one thing to know about that, uh, obviously that yeah they are commercial. You could probably write them yourself. I know there is a Redis one out there, but there was you know someone we had several clients try to use it and spent hours and hours of their time working on it, trying to get it working. You know, so that's why we went ahead and we built the commercial product. It's supported as well, which is one of the benefits of having you know a commercial product. But if they had just you know spent the money on the commercial license, then they would have saved all those hours. So if you're a contractor and you're getting paid, you know, 50, 60 bucks an hour or something, basically, you know, one or two hours worth of work and that easily pays for it, you know, no problem. So, you know, it's, if you want to do everything yourself, you, you can, but there's a benefit to using some of these products and, uh, you know, building a Lucy extension is a little more intense than, you know, just wrapping up a, a CFC for you or whatnot. So, um, if you, you know, if you guys want a product like that, it is commercially supported, find out more and, you know, you can reach out to one of us and, and, you know, we can try and answer that, but there are, there are some of the options out there if you, you know, don't have the ability to, to pay for a license. So, um, uh, but yeah. definitely worth it if you're, you know, you're looking for it. And like I said, if your boss doesn't want to pay for it, just tell him you could spend a week working on it or you could, you know, buy the license, see what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, so next up is our VS Code tip and trick, and here it is. Use it. Use VS Code. There you go, people. The sooner <laughs> you use it, the sooner you get to step three, which is profit. Yeah. So, um, this week, I'm actually going to talk about the a theme. So uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, you guys like dark themes, light themes. When you're projecting, you always should use a light theme. But a lot of these uh, themes out there are pretty neat. Now, there's uh, one guy, uh, Wes Boss, which is pretty popular. Uh, he does a lot of courses on, um, online, does a lot of JavaScript and everything else. Um, and so he has actually has a, a theme he released. It's got over almost 250,000 downloads. It's called Cobalt 2 Theme Official. And I love blues, black and blues and, and that type of stuff. Are you kidding me? Someone is at the front door. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have uh, the Cobalt 2 theme. It's really nice blues, a lot of contrast. So they got nice yellows against the blues. It's a great theme. Um, so I recommend you guys check that one out. Um, a lot of the themes out there too allow you to set the color theme. So you can choose different variations of it. So a lot of them have built in. But this one is specially designed to be more visually, uh, you know, visually set up you know a lot of contrast and everything else so everything is you know smooth and good for your eyes and so i recommend that so we'll have a link to that in the show notes yeah what's the name of it again cobalt 2 theme cobalt official and it's the wisp boss and so you said cobalt earlier and i heard cobalt in my mind like the Um, programming language c-o-b-a-l-t-2 cobalt theme official so it's five stars i searched for cobalt 2 and it popped up Yep. So it's, oh, yeah, it looks sweet. Yeah. So it's pretty nice. I really like it. it. Pops out. Just remember when you go to the CF Summit, if you're presenting, to try and switch to a light theme so everybody can see your stuff better. So, and to zoom in. Yeah. And zoom in. <laughs> I, I, the, my rule of thumb for presenting is to zoom in until it's ridiculously large and then zoom in a little bit more and then you have it big enough. Yep. <laughs> All right. Boom. Oh, I, so I just installed it like in the last two seconds. And there's a little button that says set, set color theme. I've never, I've never rethemed. Boom. Oh. I clicked it and I'm done. That's pretty that was cool. so easy. How, yeah, it is super how easy. Am I supposed to charge people for what I do when everything's this easy, Gavin? That's why we don't build themes and IDEs anymore. <laughs> and I heard that the Call Fusion 2020, they're going to actually build and support Visual Studio Code too. So I'm not sure if that means that Builder is dying or if they're just going to, you know, beef up their tools for Visual Studio Code. But at the Roadshow, Alicia did talk about how they're they're taking a serious, you know, look at this and trying to adopt VS Code. So I'm, I think that's I'm an excited. Move. I think yeah. it's an excellent move. I, I think a lot of the, the, I think a lot of wasted time over the years on Adobe releases has been reinventing wheels. Um, and I mean, I think it's great when they see the the current momentum the community has around the tool like VS Code and all the you know libraries that we've already made. So I think if Adobe can jump on that and help support it, yeah, fantastic. Exactly. 
Okay, so since you're the special guest of the week, Brad, you're the guest host, <laughs> you get to talk about all the Patreon supporters. I get to massacre all the Patreon supporters' names. Yeah. All right, so super big thanks to everybody who supports Ortis. Um, our uh, our Patreon uh, supporters basically go right to the bottom line of all of our open source products. So if you're using Command Box, Cold Box, Test Box, Log Box, Cache Box, Mock Box, Content Box, you name it, any of those boxes that are free and open source, then we absolutely are excited for the people who give back to that. So we have uh, Andrew Davis, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Joseph Lamry, Laxma T will be his last name, Richard Herbert, John Farrar, Carl Von Sutton, Don Bellamy, Samuel Knowlton, David Bellinger, Yogesh Mathur, but wait, there's more. Stephen Klotz, Stan Card, who's with us right now, Jeremy Adams, Brian White, Didier Lesnicki, I think, Scott Steinbeck, Jordan Clark, Matthew Clement, and Dali, to name a few. I think that's the full list. I'm not sure, but I just looked and it is updated it, since the last time I updated it. So, um, do we have Brian White on there? I think Brian, yes, I said Brian White. Yeah. Okay. Eric Hoffman looks like a new one, and Ooh, VJ. And who? VJ. VJ. So um, we will update awesome. the the picture, and I'll make sure the show notes includes everyone's full name. But sorry, they uh. They did update that on us just right now, but um, we even have a, a hall of fame. Yep. So if you go to the autosolutions.com slash about us slash sponsors, you'll see the hall of fame. So um, there's an SEO company, um, SEO search engine optimization, a Hollander company, and then Andrew Davis is in the hall of fame from Blue Water Business Solutions. So he's uh, a other guy, other host, and Don Bellamy. You know, and then Eric Hoffman. So Derek Hoffman is data stream connection. So got a little hall of fame. And if you're looking for different options, there's actually, um, you know, different options and ways to sponsor on Patreon. So there's different packages. You can choose the package that, that suits you. And so if you want to, um, there's a whole bunch of Jedi like names. So there's a youngling tier, a mature youngling, a Padawan, a Jedi Knight, <laughs> Jedi master, Jedi Commander, uh, basically a whole bunch of different options if you're a, you know, a company and you wanted to, you know, really help. But, you know, certain packages here actually give you like free tickets into the box conference and, you know, discounts off our services and, you know, maybe even get a special one-on-one dinner, candlelight dinner with Luis. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, so, candlelight dinner. So if we're not sued by Disney for using all the Star Wars references here, we'll uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll you think Adobe's Disney. lawyers are bad, you wait till Disney. <laughs> calls in <laughs> luckily we don't have that many people uh chasing us down so. but um but yeah so that comes to the end of the episode so again thank you patreon supporters um thank you all listeners and watchers on youtube uh and for those of you who've new to the show hope you enjoyed it and uh if you like it please tell your friends uh leave us some reviews on itunes as well we really appreciate that or or your podcast player of your cho- choosing so I think with that, Brad, I think we're into the another week. All right. Thanks for uh, listening, guys. We had a good group of people that were live. Busy chat today. so Yeah, maybe we should talk about more controversial stuff more often. So if you got any <laughs> yeah. gossip you want us to share, <laughs> let us know. Reach out to Twitter and uh, otherwise. Um, check us out on cfmnews.modernizerdie.io. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.